I must have hit my head harder than I thought. Do you smoke? Mind if I do? <laughs> oh, sorry, Cheat. I hope I didn't sing the fur. Yo, Rockman, haven't seen you in a few millennia. Give me some tassel. Yeah, yo, yo. Say, you're a lot smaller than my last master. Either that or I'm getting bigger. Look at me from the side. Do I look different to you? No, c'est ce que je disais. Oui, moi, c'est bâté, c'est de la blague. Après tout, tout est beau. Il n'y a qu'à s'intéresser aux choses et les trouver belles. Time has come. Catherine Bigelow! This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life. Spoil? <laughs> Did he spoil me? Yeah. I remember quite clearly it was 1946 and I was four years old. My mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel of the Sun. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Babel, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu. I'm a man. Well? Nobody's perfect. <laughs> Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math. Three artists in the presentation of the Palm d'Or. Adele, Lea, and Abdel Abdel Kenshin. We won! Oh, it is not over. We must continue. Oh. Oh, I did not know that. everybody uh, back with the podcast team um we've got we're discussing disney films this time round um yay disney films we're gonna feel <laughs> warm and snug and happy inside uh so fox and disney merger um no wait <laughs> <laughs> guys how how are we doing today we're all right oh we're doing all right doug how are we doing? Doing well, doing well, thank you. Good, good. And uh, Joel, how are we doing? Fine, thank you. How are you? <laughs> yeah, it's, we're good. I'm feeling Disney-fied. <laughs> Always. In more ways than one. I'm home, I'm home, So, yeah, has anyone seen the live-action version of Dumbo? Um, yes. I think I'm going to see that some today, uh, this afternoon, I think, after we're done here. Uh, well, Doug, what's your verdict on it? Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's um, oh, visually, yeah. Vi- visually very, very impressive, um, as all Tim Burton movies often are. Um, but it, it, it focuses a lot on the human characters. It introduces all these new human characters, which obviously weren't in the original. And my issue with it is pretty much all the human characters are incredibly uninteresting. <laughs> and if you're going to change the focus of a film, 
you know, make sure that that focus is, is something great. And Colin Farrell's character is very dull and the, the, the kid characters are not, are not particularly great. Um, but you know, it's saved by Dumbo. The, the visual effects in creating Dumbo are incredible. Um, he's very, very cute and very, very endearing. And the stuff with his mom is, you know, heartbreaking. And so there's, there's some great moments, but overall it was a, yeah, a little bit disappointing. That seems, that seems to me, feels like the par for the course for, uh, Tim Burton's, uh, yeah, work right? these days, which is, it's, yeah. it's, it's very, I mean, it's visually very good. He knows how to put together a scene. He knows how to, um, he knows what he wants the audience to see. He knows what kind of vision he wants to put out. But story-wise, it's always it's always it feels like there's something it, it's very much kind of lacking, especially yeah. uh, the last couple movies he's done. Mm. Well, is there the thing is I I do not I'm going to be honest here. I do not like the live-action Disney remakes. I can see that's uh, fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a bit on the fence too. I mean, you know, there's only maybe like maybe two or three I, I actually I really liked, and that would be uh, the the Jungle Book was okay. I kind of mm. I've kind of softened on that. Uh, I, I didn't like the kid though. I thought that was just like it was uh, reminded me of Jake White all over again. Um, and then Maleficent because they actually. It was darker. They actually did want to do something a little different with with with, uh, with the Sleeping Beauty character, and decided to make the focus on the bad on on the villain, and how she's more misunderstood, and you can definitely see why she is the way she is. But beyond that, I mean, uh, Cinderella's Cinderella's just eh, eh. Uh, Beauty and the Beast is just. Again, same thing. Uh, it's just they're they're nice to look at, but there's just there's no. Um, if you're gonna, I think if you're gonna remake something like that stuff, st- their own stuff, it just you should at least have some sort of spin on it, or at least some mm. some new point of view that we haven't seen before. Otherwise, you know what? I'll just watch the I'll just watch the cartoons, and then I would the live action stuff. <coughs> yeah, I think I. Sorry, go you first. I I was going to say, I saw, I can't remember whose review of Dumbo was said with all these Disney remakes, you you kind of sit there and thinking, why am I, why am I watching this? Like what, what, what is the point if, if not to give me something different? um, Why not just watch the animated version? If you're just doing shot for shot remake to make it, you know, uh, a lot live action with people or live action with updated CGI effects. It's like, well, what, what, what purpose is there? What, what are you giving me that I had <clears throat> already kind of get from the animated film? So in that regard with Dumbo, at least Tim Burton did try to do something different. It, it isn't a shot for shot remake, um, mm-hmm. which is, I guess that's what I respected more about Mary Poppins returns is that they did a full on oh, sequel. Yes. They they didn't just do a remake. I know that's not an animated one, but obviously they, they easily could have just remade that, but they actually did a full sequel. So, you know, that that was the, the, the good part about Maleficent is they, they, they went for a different angle. It wasn't a Sleeping Beauty remake, whereas Beauty and the Beast was pretty much the exact same film. You 
Yeah. Quit it? What? I'm trying to swim here. What, the ocean isn't big enough for you or something like that? Huh? You got a problem, buddy? Huh? Huh? Do you? Do you? Do you? One piece of me? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I'm scared now. And I guess um, that's what scares what? me about... What? Oh, sorry. Sorry, Joe. No, it's okay. Uh, I wanted to add to both of your, uh, what you said. What I kind of find of annoying about these remakes is the fact that if you're remaking something like, I don't know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, I understand it. That movie is nearly uh, 80 years old, I think, or mm. I think it, it, it's birthday it's very soon. So I understand you're remaking Snow White, and even then, it's like changing some of the story and some of the characters to make it more relatable to today's audience. Mm. But remaking something like so recent, so, so recent like uh, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, for example, that was literally like yesterday. I know it's 20 years, but it's <laughs> yesterday still. Yeah. Uh, mm. Mm. Uh, so so quick it's like you know why why though it, i understand dumbo i understand uh um the jungle book uh even maleficent but you know something so recent like beauty and the beast and aladdin and even the lion king which i adored because you know it's my favorite animated film besides uh studio ghibli um uh, so it's it's kind of overwhelming you know, uh, we don't need this right now. We, we we need it later if you're gonna do it anyway. So, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on this uh, on this remake thing uh, of Disney. I think that's what scares me about the Lion King, which is basically if it's if it's gonna be just be a shot for shot remake of what what we saw in '94, then you know, and then honestly, I'm not, I won't even bother. I seriously mm. won't even bother mm. with it. Uh, <clears throat> same thing. With Aladdin, which God, that doesn't look good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, oh uh, yeah, Will Smith is blue. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, uh, that, I mean, I, that one concerns me the most. Yeah, I would. I might give Mulan a shot. Honestly, that one. I might, that one. I might. I actually give a shot because I think it's. Uh, I, I can't remember who's directing it. Uh, Chloe Zhao, is it? Chloe Zhao. Wait. Oh no. Oh, oh, sorry. (laughs) No, they're they're remaking Mulan for a live action, a live action version of Mulan. I don't know who's directing it, but it's supposed to come out in twenty twenty or something like that. I can Mm. check that That out. That one, I that one, I might actually give it a, a, a a realistic shot because that's that was probably one of my favorite one of my favorite Disney movies growing up and. They actually might do something different with that. I... Yeah, the, the problem with these remakes, now, um, I'm going to say this as a, a female, uh, is that the, the, the princesses, I've always had this issue with the Disney princesses, <laughs> is that they're not great female role models in terms no. of like I mean no. let's look at like Sleeping Beauty she just spends her time sleeping and then before that she talks to the first man ever she sets eyes on and then decides okay that's the guy I'm gonna marry he's, <laughs> he's great I was like 
calm down, love. You've only met one guy. You know nothing <laughs> about him. Um, yeah, he might be a serial killer for all we know. Yeah. He might be, you know, like the version, like Disney's version of Ted Bundy. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a whole thing that he kisses a sleeping woman. I mean, yeah. you know he's into some weird stuff. Um, <laughs> but, like, Cinderella as well, she's very sort of passive. And I, I, where it's, I would welcome a remake of Mulan. Because that is a female character. You know, she's not a Disney princess. They try to put her in the Disney princess category. Yeah. She is. She's badass. She's up there with Pocahontas. Yes. Like, those are badass girls. Um, I do, yeah, how do you sort of remake something like Cinderella and Snow White and, and Sleepy Beauty for a 21st century, like, you know, audience? The, and well, not not make it automatically outdated. Well, I think they certainly, not Disney tried that in that Kristen Stewart Snow White version where they tried to make her a bit more of a, I guess, a feminist, a a bit more empowered, and it didn't work. Um, because it just it didn't it didn't fit well yeah that (laughs) kind of ruined that image (laughs) (laughs) but i think even in that cinderella remake with um what's her name the girl from no 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 the the one with cinderella one with the girl from lily james yeah lily james yeah yeah. oh that i don't they they don't even think they they sort of tried to make her a bit more independent and a bit more I guess empowered, but it, it, again, it still didn't work because at the end of the day, her greatest desire in life is to go to the ball and meet the prince. Like you can't change that fundamental part of the story where that's really her only goal in life. And so it, it didn't come across. I mean, again, that was another visually beautiful film. Um, and Kenneth Branagh did a great job directing it, but narratively, it's not a particularly inspiring story for women. Tara. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no peasant craze. And I, I find it like. Uh, it, the same with um, Aladdin, my problem is really like Jasmine as a character. Because then, you know, towards the end of that film, she ends up in a giant hourglass, you know? <laughs> so. <laughs> And having to rely on Aladdin to, to save her. So I don't know what they're going to really do with her character. Maybe give her more to do in terms... It's very... And they're all really young. Can I just can I just say that Snow White is 14? This yeah. Is, uh-huh. I found this out today. I was just like... Mm-hmm. She's 14? She, 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 so in the, in, the, in the cartoon, she's 14. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think Ar- Ariel... Ariel's like sixteen, I think. Oh yeah. dear! Yeah. <laughs> wow! Yeah, really most, young. I'm so glad I'm, I'm so glad I was very young when I watched these films. <laughs> Otherwise, I really I feel really icky now. <laughs> yeah, that's just like uh, I yeah. It's, Jasmine is fifteen. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at their ages. Um, I think the oldest one is actually. Um, Elsa, I think. I have a feeling like Elsa is. Mm. She might be eighteen. Um, <laughs> right. Oh. Wow. I'm, I'm guessing Mulan is what, like, seventeen, eighteen. I, I, I. Hopefully, she's of. She's 
of age actually fighting fight in a war because that would be <laughs> also a little weird too. She's 16. It's okay. It's okay. okay. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> but I think I think that that's one of the main reasons they're doing a lot of these remakes is to try and fix those sort of problematic elements of the animated films right. that to try and spin them to be a bit more palatable. I mean, with Dumbo especially, there's there's obviously that a lot of issues with that film with the animated version. Like the the crows have often been called quite you know racial stereotypes, and mm-hmm. there's the scene where the faceless black men are putting together the circus, and they're they're the kind of slaves of the circus. They're not in this live action version. The crows aren't in it, and uh, you actually see the circus being put together, and it's there's. I don't think there's a person of color to be seen in that entire sequence. So right. you can see that they're making that kind of concerted effort to go. Well, we know that the original had some some issues, so we're going to try and fix those problems. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot when you sort of um, dig deep into Disney, and you're like. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I obviously didn't pick up on that as a child. Uh-huh. Uh, let's, let's, let, come on, guys. Was this meant to be a celebration of Disney? <laughs> <laughs> I know. So far, we've, we've said that the, the sexist and the racist. <laughs> um, or at least that's, that's how some, some might take this podcast. I, which, again, we can't really do much about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's try and be a bit more upbeat. I know that um, some we we've obviously picked up on some problems with Disney, but they are there is some really good messages in their films. Mhm. Um, Doug, what about you? Like in terms of is is there a message that you've seen in a Disney film that's stayed with you throughout all of your life? Well, yeah. I mean, Dumbo. Uh, that that's the one that I remember earliest because I, I think a lot of people dismiss that film because it only goes for you know sixty something minutes. It's a very short film. It, it's it it looks like it's just a fluffy tale about a circus and you know it, and on the surface it is. But when you dig deeper into Dumbo, there's such a beautiful message in that film about particularly what what makes you different is what makes you strong. Um, that that initially it's seen that his big ears and you know that that that's something p- people ridicule and that's what he's embarrassed by and he's shunned from the rest of the elephants and then that ends up being his greatest asset that that I think Timothy the mouth says the line you know what what was bringing you down is going to lift you up so that that always stuck with me that that the things that make you unique are what you should celebrate about yourself and what what are your greatest um, attributes that, that you may think are the things that are bringing you down, and I love that about that film that that it really empowers kids to to embrace embrace their weirdness or embrace their uniqueness, and that that's what can be your greatest attribute in life. And I guess I always felt like that when I was younger that it was you know being a, a film buff or being a nerd or whatever was was something to be ashamed of or something to try and hide and try and suppress. And Dumbo certainly um, teaches kids, like, embrace that about yourself. Chase that. Chase what makes you different is the best part about you. And that actually gets a little bit lost in the live-action version, I must say. They don't necessarily push that angle as much as what the animated version does, which I thought was a little disappointing. But I'd never fit in out there. I'm not normal. Oh, quasi, quasi, quasi. 
me, I definitely sort of connected with Dumbo, um, probably for like, you know, the same sort of reasons. Uh, there was one film that I really sort of stayed with me was was Fox and the Hound. No, I love that film. I know, I love it so much. <laughs> just getting tearful just thinking about it. Mm. That film taught me a lot in terms of like looking at people uh, and not judging them on their their appearance. And mm. If a fox and a hound can be friends, <laughs> all of us in the world can be friends. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about you um, guys, but I love the, uh, the message in um, Pinocchio as well. Is like to listen to your conscience, to listen to your voice, to always you like you know bet you will always know best. And I know that in that film, it's obviously his conscience is personified as Jiminy Cricket, but we all have that voice inside us that's kind of like, we always know the right thing to do, and sometimes it's hard to listen to that, and sometimes we go off the path and we do the wrong thing, but we we always know what we should be doing within ourselves and stay true to that, and that's kind of wrapped up in that story of, you know, a a puppet coming to life, but the, the, the real crux of that story is that, He's tr- he's finding his way, and he's going to make mistakes on the way, and that's not that's not the worst thing in the world. But you you always should listen to your inner voice, and not tell lies because you're that's right, right. <laughs> um. exactly, and you'll end up inside a whale. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the Lion King, mm-hmm. um, which you all know already that I adored. Uh, uh, yeah, the message about that film, you know, we have the, the first message, which is the wrong message, which is Hakuna Matata. Doesn't matter mm. anything. Just enjoy life and forget about the problems. And, you know, which is not true because life is difficult. Life is hard. And life is going to throw you lots of stones in the way, in your path. And you have to deal with it, even if you don't like it. Because if you want to carry on on this, you know... Uh, life you have uh, in front of you, or you have to challenge yourself, you have to grow, you have to to be able to to surpass these 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 stones, remove them from the path, and continue so you can become a better person and enjoy life. So I think that's a very powerful message, which I, of course, didn't notice at first when I saw it when I was a little boy, but while I was growing up and watch the movie again, I realized what it meant. And I love that Disney did that. So kids around the world know they should, you know, be able to affront their lives and become better persons in the way. Mm. Uh, I guess for me, it's uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame is something that kind of stayed with me. Like, was. I think the, the the character the character of Quasimodo was just again the whole the, the concept of he is an outsider he's this <clears throat> indolent figure who looks who's in this devil's body and he's basically shunned from the from the outside world through everyone and through his uh, through <clears throat> the church which uh, it, through the church uh, and it, it's not until the end where he steps out and he is embraced by everyone which really that that made an impact on me is that even though you're even though you're different people 
people can you can still people can still embrace you and the idea that you, you should embrace people even even if they are uh, different or ugly or whatever. But also, what I really but now looking back on it, um, that might be Dis- it, that might be of all the Dis- the Disney uh, animated films uh, uh, coming out of the Disney Renaissance, that's the darkest thing they've ever made. Mm. Um, because it deals, it, yeah, because it deals with uh, religion and how it can be corrupted. Uh, it deals with sin mm-hmm. and lust and all of these. Also, Cla- Cla- Frollo is so scary. <laughs> yes, and it's just, it, I'm, so, I'm, I'm just impressed. I'm really impressed how they were able to get away with that in a G-rated film. Uh, I mean, I would say it's. It's on par. Well, I wouldn't say on par with Wally, but in terms of that, there's more under under the surface than what we're what than what we see. Is it, it's it's probably one of the one of the deeper movies I think that, that the studio's made. Mm-hmm. And can I just say, like the um, the villain song in that film? Oh, Hellfire! Oh, that's all. That that was <laughs> great. I, I love how it's it's a, a, a dichotomy of. Um, him believing he's doing God's will versus his, um, his you know earthly lustful desires, yeah. and that and and they and they and he's just thinking, okay, I really want to do this, but and and yet I'm afraid that I'll be damned by the church and you know by extension by God Himself. As, as a child, you're just like, oh, this is an interesting song. But it's like when you, you go back and you're like. Wow, this is very deep. There are some, you know, stuff going on here which is quite like dark, like you say. And um, I think for me, like I always find like the villains are so interesting in yeah films. And More they interesting. The, they have mm-hmm. the best songs. I mean, come on, be prepared. <laughs> right. Oh, like I, it's just such a good song, but um. It's so weird that in the the like more classic ones, the villains never got a song. Like Maleficent yeah. doesn't have a song, or um, the Evil Queen in Snow White, or um, Lady Tremaine in Cinderella. They never ever got songs, which was so strange. Um, that was sort of a more later edition. And I mean, my my favorite would probably be Poor Unfortunate Souls oh, yeah. by Ursula. That's just the best song in that film. Uh, I, I think Little Mermaid was what really sort of brought. Disney back on track, wasn't it? Oh god, yeah, yeah. Like we saw, I don't, I, I don't know whether we give Little Mermaid enough credit in terms of, you know, giving a rebirth to Disney. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Have you ever seen anything so wonderful in your entire life? Cool. It sa- it saved them because I, I. Like mentioned that in that article I did recently for Jungle Book, after Walt died, they they lost their way for a, a good couple of decades. They just didn't. They they were still pumping out animated films, but they didn't have that magic that those sort of original films did. And by by going back to more sort of musical roots and embracing sort of more Broadway sensibilities by you know getting Alan Menken and Howard Ashman who understood music better than anybody 
um, they really instilled that original magic back into the films, and it it, it absolutely turned that company around. I, I don't think they were like you know on the verge of collapse, but they certainly weren't as successful as they were. And had it not been for Little Mermaid, I'm not I'm not sure would we have led into Aladdin and Lion King and Beauty and the Beast and that that new Renaissance period that that sort of changed everything for the company. Hmm. Is there yeah. any sort of Disney songs that? you think are like the ultimate ones on, on the playlist? I'd probably go Who Am I Inside from the one. Uh, just a... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I get that. That one just... That one really sticks with me. It's about how she... How Luan feels she's supposed to be one way, but inside she feels like she's supposed to be doing something else and she's not entirely sure who that person is she's supposed to be following I would have to say um, uh, from Mulan I would go with um, I'll, I'll make a man out of you oh that's a good one uh, Donny Osmond just that, that's probably one of my favorite Donny Osmond songs right there I love this, like, that song is, like, my motivation song. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on the gym. I'm there, like, yeah, I could do this. <laughs> as I as I exercise on the treadmill in the easiest uh, setting possible. Um. Also, of course, uh, Circle of Life. That's still, that's still, I, I could listen to that song a hundred times yeah. and still get sick of it. I mean, uh uh, one, as far as they got Elton John to actually do a few songs for The Lion King, and they're just some of the most memorable. Mm. And yeah, that, that whole just, that yeah. whole sequence, like that, that's one of my favorite opening yes, sequences absolutely. of a, of a yeah, film that's ever. That's one of the best opening if, sequences I've seen to any film ever. Yeah, if if they honestly just do a shot for shot remake of that sequence for the live action, I'm fine with don't yeah. don't touch that because you cannot improve on that sequence. It needs to be exactly the same. Yeah. With that song, with those visuals, that's totally fine. But I, I was always amazed that that didn't win the Oscar. Like, I know Can You Feel the Love Tonight. It's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful yeah. love song. I just think that Circle of Life should have won the Oscar. I just find that very, very strange. But it was the same with Little Mermaid, like Under the Sea won the Oscar. And I feel like part of your world is the more memorable a, song. Well, Actually, poor unfortunate souls is the better song. But right. of the of the ones that were nominated, of the ones that were nominated, I think yeah, they like the Oscars often choose the wrong yeah, song. The most, it's it's always the most popular song. Yeah, yeah. Gravitate towards the the one that's 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 that's, that's usually better. Like for yeah. example, uh, Shallow won best original song, yeah. and it's okay. Yeah. But really, uh, there were know, always always always. Remember this us this way was was it was probably a better song or maybe its time was a much much better song and it, it, it's that kind of thing. Mary Poppins, I gave it to Chim Chimery, which is fine, but I think there are again there's better songs in that movie and yeah. it's like that. It, but Disney, I guess, you're spoiled for choice. That's the problem. Is that yeah they all they, with these films they often had two or three songs nominated, and it's like, well, which one do you pick? And I guess it's more a case of you're winning oh, and we're, we're honouring the whole soundtrack because yeah. the whole thing is great, so we'll just pick one song to go with. No! Oh, sorry, I'm late. Oh, what I miss? Well, Yzma just tossed me this knife and asked me to 
you know, take them out. And then this guy popped up, and then we waited for you, and quite honestly. I think even like a, a lesser movie like Hercules has. Oh, I love Hercules. Great... Ooh, oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 That soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, that that that, mm-hmm. that gospel that gospel soundtrack is just fantastic. Yeah, the late Whitney Houston donating a couple songs to the to the uh, to the movie, which is again inspired, very very inspired. Yeah, I even think like Tarzan has like. Mm. With Phil Collins. Yeah, I was it? gonna mention Tarzan because <laughs> oh. you know, yeah, I'm so sorry. It's it's okay. Uh, I was thinking that uh, the class. Uh, of 2008 of my school uh, when I was in 8th grade we chose the song uh, no wait I'm so confused oh my god my senior class uh, from school when I was in uh, senior we chose the song uh, You'll Be In My Heart uh, from the yeah, soundtrack I knew it. yeah and that's an amazing song uh, but that Tarzan soundtrack has uh, more songs that are great and for example yeah Son of Man, it's amazing too. Mm. And A Stranger's Back Me. What kind of happened with Disney though? Like, to what we had like some great um, films in the 90s when we were all growing up. Certainly, uh, Pixar obviously was starting to then mm. take, take far more focus and showing that, that they were doing story better than anyone. They were, they were creating characters and creating stories that were far superior than anything that that the Disney animation studios were doing. And they they lost their way. They just completely lost it. And I don't think it was until they started to embrace computer animation that they sort of found their way back to it with obviously things like Frozen and Wreck-It Ralph, um, Tangled. That, that, that's been... That's been kind of their second renaissance is that they've, they've, they've tapped into what Pixar were doing and they're still putting their own sort of more traditional Disney spin on it, but certainly following Pixar's lead um, in terms of they don't necessarily do a lot of musicals anymore. Um, they, 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 the hand-drawn stuff is obviously gone, which is, is such a shame because it's, it's always so such a lost art now. I think th- that there's something in hand-drawn animation that's always far more visually impressive than what's being created in a computer. Um, uh-huh. And I get that, that that's where the industry has gone and that's what kids want to watch these days and that's fine. But, um, yeah, I think they just, they in that the late 90s, sort of early millennium, they just didn't have the stories there anymore. They were creating films that weren't of the same caliber of what they were doing in the 90s. You had films like Shrek come out and mm. it was just kind of like... Those appealed not only to kids but also adults, and yeah. they were just so slow to sort of be like, uh, "We should maybe have some more sort of adult jokes in it." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they really rejected that for a long time. I think they really saw themselves as a kids-only studio that only kids want to watch this. It doesn't matter that adults often have to accompany the children. We don't care. We're not going to give them anything. Whereas Pixar certainly were like, no, we're going to give something something for both. We're going to layer it with humor that kids are going to get and then humor that only adults will really get. And Shrek certainly was like proved how to do that really, really well, um, which they obviously DreamWorks then lost the plot. Also, 
Yeah, and also, still, still haven't got it back. But, but also, I think uh, with with the re- with the resurgence of Disney animation, didn't um, didn't some uh, people from Pixar uh, just kind of cross over into Disney and kind of take over yeah. the animation uh, department? Yeah. Well, John, I mean, John Lasseter ended up basically yeah. taking over Disney entirely and overseeing Pixar and animation and the animation studio. So I think his sensibility flowed over into the entire company and. Obviously, he's now gone, but right. um, we, we won't talk about that. Um, but he, he, I think he brought a lot of Pixar's findings and their their sort of their direction to the entire company. And I guess, in a sense, he was kind of like the new Walt Disney, and that he was overseeing everything and anything. And that that's why a lot of the sort of Walt Disney animation films felt very Pixar like. And I, I'm sure they brought over animators and stuff as well. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's kind of, you know, uh, good and bad to see that Disney, even though it's, a, you know, a humongous company, that it had struggled because people think that these companies always are at top. And mm. we can mm. see what, mm. with Disney, Disney Animation Studios that they had at least two moments in their in their time that they had problems and these moments were marked uh, the first time was marked by um, Walt Disney's death uh, but also in that time uh, they kind of changed how they draw their characters They, I don't remember what's the name of the method they used but they basically like copy some uh some scenes they already had and yeah. put it into another movie. So I don't. If, do you have the name of, of the method they use? Uh, dog, you know. It's that called uh, like zero copying or fo- like it's some. Yeah, there's some term where if you watch certain scenes from the, I think it's the Jungle Book, they reuse mm-hmm. those for Aristocats. They yeah, reuse exactly. some of the stuff from Snow White for Jungle Book. So they just use the bare bones and then draw over to make new characters. It saved them a lot of money as well. Um, Body lost obviously... quality. On, in yes, time. yeah. And then anyone that watched that film be like, hang on, Snow White, that, that looks like Snow White dancing, mm-hmm. but it's actually Maid Marian from Robin Hood. Like, it's yeah. a, the exact same scene with a different body over the skeleton of the animation. Exactly. So it was a struggle for them because they were trying something new and it didn't work. Also, they were losing story too. So it, it, it was all at the same time. So they had to struggle with that. By the way, Aristocats is one of my favorite movies. Uh, you can see I have something for cats. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Oliver and Company too, if you want to count that. Uh, and then in the 2000s, they tried to, you know, they see Pixar doing all this stuff in 3D animation, so maybe we can start doing that too. They made Meet the Robinsons, they made Chicken Little, uh, mm. and they also made uh, Bolt. And even though people like seem to uh, care about these films at the same time, they didn't have that Disney magic we're used to. And it coincided with the time they decided to change their method of drawing uh, animation. So it kind of says that when they had to change, because they weren't going to get behind it if they didn't do it, they struggled. And mm, mm. In, 
and in the end it worked because you know they managed to re uh, reborn themselves uh, because they noticed it wasn't the way they animated things it was the way they were telling things that was the problem so when they noticed that and they fixed it that's when uh, Disney became Disney again and now they're unstoppable because now they have thoughts <laughs> and aliens. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's ouch. Dude. Tie them together, Piglet. Can you tie a knot? I cannot. Ah, so you can not. No, I cannot not. Not not? Who's there? Pooh? Pooh who? No. Let's, <laughs> let's, okay, let's go into the whole fox merger with Disney. Mm. Uh, Honestly, I'm I'm of two minds on this. It's just, I mean, one, it's it's. I guess it's nice that you know you're gonna have uh, the X Men and the Fantastic Four and Deadpool, you know, kind of play with uh, Kevin Feige in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. I mean, that's all that's all gonna be fun, but mm. it just feels like there there's there's a heavy cost to that because now you're not now we're probably not gonna see something like Widows being made we're not going to see something like sideways or little miss sunshine or fight club or anything or something stuff that's very that was edgy or that was very edgy or interesting or something that was or something something that was that has that has very very good very adult material that's that's you know that's not i don't think i don't know how that's going to be made now under the disney banner I was fine with everything until they announced they were closing Fox 2000, which I just found that was such a shock because mm-hmm. I know they have they haven't been a studio that's been making you know Oscar caliber films or giant blockbusters, but they've been making some really great stuff over especially the last few years. Um, so I just that that to me was quite surprising. Um, but I, I look at it in in terms of the, the 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 sort of info that I've gathered is that you know Fox were were really struggling and. Had someone not bought them out, taken over, merged, whatever you want to call it, they may have actually ended up collapsing entirely. And Ooh. when we talk, when we talk about okay, you know, four or five thousand people are going to lose their jobs in this merger. Had it not happened, we could have been talking about tens of thousands of people losing their job. So, in in that sense, yes, it's it it hurts that people are losing their jobs and there's going to be change, but had Disney not bought them, it may have been potentially even worse. So as long as they don't touch Fox Searchlight too much, that to me has always been 20th Century Fox's kind of jewel in their crown, particularly when it comes to Oscar season. Um, We've seen several Fox Searchlight films win Best Picture. So we, we know that they are great at doing amazing films. And... The only thing that gives me hope with that is obviously in the early 90s, Disney um, owned Miramax. And right. So, so they, they have sort of done this before, but in a way they even ultimately ended up running Miramax into the ground. So, uh, it, yeah, it, 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 they can certainly own a another studio that does Oscar-caliber films, but whether they can sustain that long-term is the thing that makes me a little anxious. Well, it's whether they want to. That's the yeah. thing. That's yeah. the thing. You know, um, they could certainly do it if they want to, but if it's not really going to make them money... Mm. Then, well, there's no point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, I mean, a, a Disney film has never won Best Picture, so it would be interesting to see now if they have something that probably would have been under the Fox Searchlight banner, whether they try and bring that into the Walt Disney banner just for the sake of the fact that a Disney film could finally win Best Picture. But without that Fox Searchlight title, right. it may take off a bit of the luster of that film, that there, there, there may be a sort of a negative connotation to something being a Disney film that works against it, that yeah. didn't, if it was a Fox Searchlight title, people right. instantly has that kind of reputation about it. Yeah, but I wonder, does, does Disney really, really need or want, uh, I mean, a best picture when yeah. part of their yeah. banner? I mean, they've got, You've got Lucasfilm and Marvel Studios. They made they. I mean, they're the top ten movies. A lot of that, like like six of the six yeah. or seven of the top ten movies of all time are movies that have made supposed to go for a billion dollars. I mean, I. I mean, uh, if anything, and I'm not entirely sure it's something they need. Quick question: Going back to animation, wasn't uh, Don Bluth part of uh, Disney's uh, animation at one point before, and then he just went off and yeah. doing something? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because I remember reading something about that. So a lot of people have come and gone from Disney over the years. I think sure. they, from all accounts, they can be quite difficult to work for. So I think the people that have stayed have been the ones that have sort of been able to work within their system and others have certainly gone off and blazed their own trail. Like certainly someone like Jeffrey Katzenberg, who then obviously went right. off to, to start DreamWorks as a rival to his horrible time at Disney, he wanted to kind of stick it back to them by doing what they were doing, but better and in his own ways and certainly proved initially proved to be quite a force in that industry based on his time at Disney. He took what he learned there and created his own company. That's right. Olaf. And you are? Uh, um, I'm Anna. And who's the funky looking donkey over there? That's Sven. Uh-huh. And who's the reindeer? Sven. Oh, they're... Oh, okay. Make things easier for me. <laughs> Even Tim Burton started mm. off as a... Um, in, in Disney. Disney um, working on... Uh, is it... What's it? Fox and a Hound or Black Cauldron or... Black something? Cauldron, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't oh, remember wow. which. But I think that's interesting. He went off and did you know, all his other films, and then he's come back to Disney. You know, back, well, I think, from all accounts, he, he after Nightmare Before Christmas, he was unhappy that they kind of turned that into a merchandise cow, mm -hmm. and that yeah. that's why he kind of shunned Disney for a good 15, 20 years, because as you see when you go to any sort of Disney store or, or a Disney park, like Jack yeah. Skellington stuff is everywhere. Oh, yeah. And... Mm -hmm. You know, granted that you know, go to like stores like Hot Topic and places like that. It's it's just it it it's the chosen identity of that kind of, right. I guess the goth the goth kids, the emo kids. They 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 chose Jack and Sally as their like anti Disney heroes. I think the the concern is where does this end? Like, does Disney end up buying Warner Brothers or do they buy it? Do they buy Universal or? I think Warner, Warner Brothers, Brothers is fine. Yeah. Are going to be fine at this point. But if they if they certainly start acquiring other studios and then it ends up being that oh, every yeah. film is either a, yeah, either a like Disney film or a Warner Brothers buys, film, like, then Sony or something like that, or yeah, yeah. I think maybe the next big thing might be uh, 
just bigger companies, you know, bigger companies uh, swallowing, you know, smaller production companies, probably like mm. A24 or Annapurna mm. or IFC or, or whatever. That w- I would think that would be the, the next, probably the next the next logical step. Oh, hi, guys. I didn't know you were here. I was just washing, so now I'm clean, and I'm going to go. Bye-bye. Some of the folks might be a little bit smarter than I am, bigger and stronger, too. Maybe. But none of them will ever love you the way I do. It's me and you, boy. And as the years go by, our friendship will never die. You're gonna see it's our destiny. Oh, you got a friend in me. Yes, you do. You got a friend in me. Yes, you do. Oh, you got a friend in me.